Coyote Savage. Real talk. No filter on Savage. Don't filter. Savage. I, I consider it an honor to be able to go work for the Central Intelligence Agency. There are some questionable things going on that unfortunately I had to speak up. The military command had told all personnel, we don't want you moving at all at night. The threat is too significant. We were going out for yoga classes. I'm working for a chief of base who turned the base into basically a social club on steroids. I reported it, and once you report it, that is an act of blowing the whistle. This gentleman wants to hear nothing about any of these issues, and basically tells me, well, it's a good thing you got fired. Now you can reinvent yourself. They even put surveillance on me at one point in time. They actually even put out a be on the lookout list against me and denied me entry into a building. I did not collect the paycheck just to avoid the toxic situation of having to be in an office that was hell-bent on destroying me. I started trying to apply for jobs, get a job, and I ran into nothing but roadblocks. It, it, it was as, as if my name was toxic waste, as if I had done something really, really bad. I would have to fight communist-like totalitarian tactics here in the United States, where I'm supposed to defend and protect the Constitution of the United States. Instead, to Savage Unfiltered, we are streaming live here on X. Um, yeah, uh, guys, I have I have a guest here. I had on uh, last year actually on season four, bringing them back to season five here on Savage Unfiltered. And uh, as you heard into the live stream, guys, um, if you're catching up with the show or just dropping in. Uh, we have the author of an upcoming book called The Broken Whistle, Pedro Israel Orta. Uh, and uh, without further ado, I don't want to hold anybody up. Uh, here is Pedro here. Welcome to the show, Pedro. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful this morning. Thank you so much for having me on your show this day. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, about this book, Pedro. I, I, I know it's called The Broken Whistle. Um, first and foremost, let's get the title out there so people can understand a little bit better. Uh, what does The Broken Whistle indicate and why was it created or why did you choose to taint the, the term, excuse me, The Broken Whistle? A couple things. In order to be relevant and credible, I wanted to ensure that what I wrote, I can substantiate by sources and a lot of showing and examples of what I witnessed. Right. And in my case, it was about blowing the whistle inside of CIA to the director of national intelligence, to the leadership of the CIA, to the inspector generals, and even to Congress. So I, as a CIA employee, was compelled by law to report what I reasonably believe to evidence basically abuse of authority, gross mismanagement, waste, fraud, and significant and specific endangerment to public safety. That is known as blowing the whistle. Hmm. Now, I did it accidentally. I didn't know what I was doing at the time. But the point is, I blew the whistle. And what I found out was that the process to report these issues, blow the whistle, in the intelligence community is completely broken. Oh, I mean, wow. they, they, they are non-existent. They're basically just pretty letters on paper 
that is worthless paper and ink. They might as well save their money. The, so I, I walk the reader through my entire story as far as exactly what transpired while I worked at CIA. I call out the good, I call out the bad. And the, the book is, in some ways, probably could have written in two parts. But I had to get the book through the uh, pre-publication review process. So I also had to sell the book for the CIA censors to put the book out. So there's probably a little bit of extra material on my background, but my background is very relevant because if you blow the whistle, you can easily be called a crank, a troublemaker, a nuance, a disgruntled employee. Well, the narrative will show that I was not a disgruntled employee, but the fact was that I was classified as a stellar employee with outstanding pars at times, eight exceptional performance awards. So mm. basically, at the end of the day, the main theme is broken whistleblower processes. But within the narrative, you will find many other themes. The themes as far as the effects of DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You can't expect excellence if you promote incompetence. And at times, right. that has happened within the government service. But other themes in, in this book are, we can sit here and talk forever about what wicked people are doing, how bad wicked are, and the wickedness of the wicked. But another theme in this book is what I find to be the most relevant for uh, argument, talk, discussion, is the lack of courage of the so-called righteous to back up what they say with what they do. Yeah. In the narrative of this book, I mean, my, my goodness, I went up to Pompeo and Bulatau, uh, his right-hand third in charge of the CIA. Yeah, how was their rhetoric towards all of this, Pedro? Uh, rhetoric. As soon as I went to them, they pump out a nice anti-harassment message to the entire workforce, and then the hammer comes out against me. The IGs basically nail me. The IGs come and investigate me. Uh, eventually, basically, they send the Office of Security after me as a big bad bully to beat me out of the CIA. So basically, Pompeo was worthless. But for that matter, I also went to uh, the DNI, Daniel Coates. Uh, it turns oh, yeah. out, How'd that Coates, turn out? Uh, it turns out he was just an empty suit on a dead cadaver as far <laughs> as his position there at the DNI. I mean, it was clearly the, the Indians were, were running the chief to say, to use uh, some, some, some catchy phrases there. Uh, so, I mean, that, that was worthless. That led to more uh, reprisals and inaction. But even yeah. worse, uh, you know, it, it goes to Congress. The one leading Republican basically washed his hands like Pontius Pilate <laughs> and sends me to another senator. And the other senator expressed some interest but when I start peeling that onion, trying to get to really what is going on here, and I yeah. finally was able to get on the phone and talk to one of his staffers, the staffer knew nothing about this. So it was all just show, you know, smoke. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the CIA today and your personal view or thoughts of it. You know, you say it's a, it's a broken system, right? You, you go into you know what's going on and what wrongs are happening especially under this biden administration you know
Oh, it, it's the nature of government. Uh, it, it seems like you have a problem, and the answer to the problem is institute a government program. Sometimes these government programs begin with good intentions and have some good and do some effective work. You can go back to the roots of the FBI, 20s. Uh, they were involved in solving some serious crimes here in Oklahoma where I live about the Osage Indians being basically ruthlessly murdered to take their land away from them because their lands had oil. Uh, on that note, the CIA had its beginnings from the Office of Strategic Services, the OSS, during World War II, which they are very instrumental in fighting against Nazi Germany in Europe to be able to open the way for Allied forces to eventually go into uh, the mainland of Europe and basically retake back the land from the Nazis and essentially defeat Nazi Germany. And then post-World War II, that's where you had the creation of the CIA that was effective early on at combating the Soviet uh, intrusion, escalation, so forth, as well as Chinese uh, anti-communist kind of activities. But like any government institution, eventually it becomes not about the mission. It becomes about the bureaucracy. So the bureaucracy becomes this big monster and it becomes all about money and power. And eventually you have basically a morphing, a transition in which the mission is secondary to the preservation of this giant bureaucracy. And yeah, you can look what's what struck me, if I may chime in, it said that you were on a post Snowden and you were relying on a system uh, referring to President Obama and the Congress and everything else with the IC leaders. Did you want to go into a little bit of that? Yeah, I, I've seen that on your website there with the broken whistle, and that kind of struck me a little bit. And I'm kind of understanding what you mean by that a little bit. The, the reality is that intelligence community whistleblowers have never had any effective protections. You can mm. go back to the Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act, which is not a protection. It's a mechanism to report. But it doesn't guarantee that you will be protected from a reprisal or that an IG will effectively investigate that reprisal and make a decision in your favor that, yes, you were reprised against. Pre-Snowden, there really were no protections. It wasn't until uh, Presidential Policy Directive 19 was put mm. into effect. And, and that has the force and effect of a law because a presidential directive carries the same weight as a presidential executive order. And all presidential executive orders must be based on the Constitution and the law. The president has no right to publish an executive order that actually goes against the Constitution or the laws of the United States of America. Right. So PPD-19 on paper offers protections for whistleblowers. Snowden came in just about the time where uh, this document, PPD-19, was actually published and put into effect. Hmm. And Obama and his leaders, Brennan, Clapper, so forth, claimed that Snowden had protections and he must have used and should have used PPD-19 to make his disclosures rather than leak what he leaked. Now, now since we're on Snowden, do you, do you see Snowden as, you know, what they're claiming him to be, a traitor of the United States and, you know, and all that? 
Do you see well, that at all? Or? By, by the letter of the law, he leaked national security information, and that is a crime. Right, right, now, right. You have, you have I to agree look, with you, yes. You have to look at the history of these failed protections. The reason why Snowden went public was he knew these processes and procedures would not work and that he potentially would become the victim of either an assault, uh, a prosecution, or some kind of vengeful tactics taken against him. And he took that from his predecessors, Thomas Drake, Bill Binney, to those two in particular, there's a couple others. But basically, they were priests, Snowden, and they blew the whistle on very similar, if not the same kind of abuses from the NSA. Well, the FBI raided some of these individuals, uh, and Thomas Drake was actually indicted. And eventually, he pled guilty to uh, a minor crime. But they were seriously going after him to put him behind bars for life. Yeah, for speaking I remember up, reading about that, yeah. So that drove Snowden to go public. And... On that note, immediately after he goes public, and subsequently there for you know months, if not a year, two or three, here you have the same leaders, Obama, Clapper, Brennan, Congress, claiming that PPD-19 works, intelligence community whistleblowers have protections, they can blow the whistle, they can go to the IG, they can go to their superiors, they can effectively, you know, disclose waste, fraud, abuse, and so forth, and they take no reprisals against whistleblowers. Well, I come in post-Snowden. I use this regime they put in place. And what I find is that this regime does not work. If you dare to blow the whistle internally, they will come after you to basically just bully and beat you to a pulp until you quit. And a lot of people quit and leave to, to preserve their well-being and, in some cases, their uh, national security clearance so they can be employable. And if you don't leave, they will find a way to uh, bully you to the point that they will terminate you and fire you. Yeah. And I chose not to play their game and to stand fast to the allegations I had made and to these standards, policies, and procedures that they are compelled to enforce. And yeah, I mean, well, in this book, Pedro, I mean, you know, you know, like you just mentioned, you know, you, you, you chose not to play their game. You chose to stand up and, you know, uh, write, decide to write this book. And I, I'm sure it's going to get a lot of backlash from the liberals and a lot of people in the deep state and the entitlement uh, people up there and the establishment, you know, they're, they're going to see this book, The Broken Whistle, and they're going to say, how dare he write this book? How dare he expose to the American people, you know, all our dirty little secrets, you know, and, and, and everything else. But I mean, do, do you think it's necessary to write a book like this to, to show the American people just how dirty the establishment has become over the course of about 50 plus years, possibly more. I, I begin my book with my uh, prologue, The Truth Must Be Told. And there are consequences if we do not step up and speak truth to power and begin to hold accountable those in power. The, what we have going on in society right now is we have an emboldened left that knows that they can abuse their power and get away with it because there is no counteraction to stop them. And as long as we continue on this paradigm and this 
trajectory, we're going to see them abuse their power even more and more and more. So we have a serious danger here. And that's how I conclude my book with the epilogue. Who will speak for you when they come looking for you? Uh, right. We, we've got the Constitution, the separation of powers, the executive, the legislative, the judiciary. Uh, you know, one of the premises of my book, the thesis and the conclusions is where we're seeing failure is a failure of the congressional oversight functions of Congress. The, w- without effective congressional oversight to hold these agents, agencies accountable, we're just going to see a more rampant abuse of government power that eventually will basically destroy our constitutional republic. So there is a need for a book like this to be written and for it to be widely distributed. And like you said, I have already encountered a lot of backlash on the liberal end, the yeah, social sure. media suppressing my book, suppressing my post. I'm uh, sure they're going to suppress it even more, Pedro. But I want to talk a little bit more about this deep state, you know, um, because we're seeing a huge presence right now, especially through the Biden administration. I see a lot of deep state, you know, regime and 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 operatives and, and, and all that stuff come out. You know, through this administration, let's talk a little bit about the Biden administration. I want to talk a little bit about the Justice uh, Department. Uh, I did a show the other day uh, last week, depending on how you view it, folks, uh, about a mockery for justice and where you're seeing now illegal immigrants literally, you know, flipping the bird uh, to the cameras and, and, and you know, getting out of uh, uh, courts and, and, and jails and stuff without no bond. No bond whatsoever, Pedro. What's your views on that? Let's let's talk about this um, about this broken uh, justice department here. Uh, let's look at it from a kind of holistic, kind of systemic perspective. Right. I use the term deep state from the framework of the national security bureaucratic state, and comprised of uh, political appointees on one end. And on the other end, you've got the, the civil servants. What we have seen is, you got to keep in mind, we had Clinton from January 93 to January of 2000. That's eight years of Democratic leadership at the executive mm-hmm. branch with political appointees trying to enforce liberal-type policies. We had a short period of time of President Bush from January 2001 to basically January 2009. And it's a pivotal time because of the global war on terror, 9-11. It significantly increased that national security establishment with unfound powers, powers that are basically anti-constitutional, anti-liberty, so forth. Now you have Obama from uh, January 2009 to January 2017. You've got another eight years of democratic uh, operatives coming into government at high levels, civil servants, uh, political appointees. So by the end of the Obama term, you've had basically 16 years of Democrats in power over the executive branch. Yeah. With, with only eight of the Republicans, but at a pivotal time in which you're giving just vast powers to this national security bureaucracy. When Trump comes in, he's coming in to basically a perverted uh, national bureaucracy of ultra-liberals, 
anti-Republican, at times anti-Constitution type of uh, political leaders at high levels in these government institutions. And they just waged a war against him and basically forced him out. And now you're back to another Democratic administration. We're going on basically almost four years of Democrats again in charge with more Democratic political appointees taking these high-level positions empowered by these civil servants. So you've had just too many years of Democratic leadership over the executive branch weaponizing the executive branch to go after conservatives. Failed policy over failed policy, Pedro. I mean, you know, you're clearly seeing that. You know, a lot of people are looking at uh, Joe Biden uh, as a uh, Obama 2.0 of an administration, you know, with the open borders, um, with uh, just 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 weak policy. I mean, especially now that you see it right now, there's just weak policy under Joe Biden. Um, he clearly has no idea what he's doing. And I'm not trying to be mean, folks. I mean, uh, I'm stating facts here. I mean, his handlers have to show him where to go from time to time to time. At first, Pedro, I was I was laughing about it. I'll be completely honest with you. I was laughing about his presidency when he first came in, you know, with the transition between 2020 to 2021 from Trump to Biden. And I'm like, you know what? This 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 presidency is a joke. But now that I see Biden, you know, stumbling over his speeches, forgetting things, uh, you know, uh, not so important things. I can care less about, you know, he forgets about his son dying and everything. That's not I mean, that's important to him. But it's you know, I, I, I want him to focus on things that he needs to remember, like our national yeah. security and stuff like that. It's it's elderly abuse, Pedro. It really is. And I'm feeling sorry for the man. I really am. How did we get here? Let's go back to 2017. Yeah. Republicans yeah. had the House. President Trump requested for Speaker Ryan to pass a bill to rein in abuses in the electoral system, yeah. voter ID, so forth. Republicans failed to act. Republicans basically created the situation that led to the failures in the election of uh, 2020. Uh, on that note, at the end of 2020, President Trump requested for Republicans repeal section, I believe it's section 230, that grants social media companies vast powers to censor disfavored speech. He vetoed the National Defense Authorization Act because it did not include a provision to repeal that section 230. What did Republicans do? They overturned the veto and basically allowed Section 230 to continue without any reforms, as President Trump requested. And that created the situation where post-January 6, 2021, social media began to crack down completely on disfavored speech. The fast forward to this Biden administration. The, I mean, you are right. I mean, I mean, who is running the presidency? Uh, it's I think a lot of it is is through a uh, uh, a shadow presidency of uh, a Barack Obama. I, I can see that. I can see Barack Obama pulling the strings, so to speak. He's the puppet master. A lot of people are, are claiming him to be through Biden uh, well, because he's 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 clearly he's not there, Pedro Biden. Correct. The but mindset but, uh, is failing him. 
every day, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. But to me, the biggest problem is not necessarily what Biden is doing, what the Democrats are doing, but now Republicans want the House, took over the House beginning in January 2021, and for the past year now going on, year, year and a half, they have done nothing but what I call in my book grandstanding showmanship in political theater. You're, you're seeing it similar to, to, to a Nikki Haley with, with, with her political circus right now that she's going all over America, you know, trying to get votes from the, you know, for Republican voters and stuff. And like you said, it's a political theater. It's, it's a circus it, it's, show. It's just to drive up ratings on national networks and this and that. I, there's no message behind it, Patriot. Well, I mean, go back to 2010 yeah. and the IRS Tea Party scandal. Mm. The Tea Party rose up and delivered the House to Republicans in the midterm elections of 2010. It was just a drastic trashing of Obama at the time. And it posed a significant risk to his re-election in 2012. What do the Democrats in political power do? They weaponize the IRS to go after political opponents to ensure that no political opponent could rise up to dethrone Obama to assure that he would be re-elected in 2012. Well, the Republicans had the House. They were supposed to investigate and hold accountable the Obama administration, the executive branch, the IRS, and so forth. And what did they engage in? The usual political theater, grandstanding, and showmanship. Consequently, they did nothing about it. Fast forward to Benghazi in 2012. Fast and Furious. It's the same song and dance over and over by Republicans. They keep this game up. They're going to lose the House in 2024. And be careful here, because if the Democrats win the House and take over the House in 2025, I wouldn't put it past them to do some more shenanigans during this election and say what that the hell Trump are they so win. afraid of Pedro like why are they why are they so scared of tackling the Democrats and 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 creating better policy and creating better uh, a better livelihood and society for America like what are they so scared of it's power and money they want to position themselves to pocket money I know it's power and money but I mean it comes down to especially where our society is going right now our our nation is crumbling uh, crumbling on every level high inflation uh, high unemployment the jobs aren't there according to Joe Biden the jobs are there oh yeah we just had 350,000 jobs uh, last month of January where where Joe they're fabrication of numbers that the Democrats are coming up with every single day it's embarrassing that I have to watch out a press secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre, come up with these ridiculous set of numbers. Oh, oh, the, the jobs are there and we're doing so much better as an administration. She's not saying that, but basically it's coming out like that. Like, this is a better administration than the Trump administration. Now, I don't want to compare. I'm not, I'm not a cultist, you know, Pedro. I'm not saying, you know, Trump had every policy in line and he was the you know he was one of the the best presidents we've had in a long time but you know there were certain things that he'd done that i wish he would have done a little bit better but america was 
a lot better under Trump, I believe, in my personal opinion, than Biden. You know, we weren't struggling so much. People can actually sit down in a restaurant without, you know, worrying about, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't have spent that because of my low paycheck that I had this week. That's what you're seeing right now in America. There, there's people that are making great money and people that have great jobs that are still struggling under this administration. You know, it's the, the, the Washington political system is the good old boy network. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. What is what am I getting out of this for me? How is this going to benefit me in my position, my influence, my power, my money making capability, my ability to retain my seat, my ability to get a better committee assignment, so forth. They basically have no spine and no backbone. Uh, they, they don't want to go out on the limb and take a position that is going to create a lot of backlash for them. Uh, in one simple word, they're just cowards. They basically cannot be trusted or counted upon to take the difficult decisions or positions that these perilous times require. Now, now as we close it up soon here, uh, I want to get your views on this election coming up. Um, you know, uh, what do you think it's going to go from here, Pedro? There's a lot of accusations and assumptions with a lot of different things of how the Democrats are planning to cheat and manipulate the vote. Like, what's your views on that? We saw what happened in 2020. Right. There is no doubt that questionable things happened that must be fully investigated and Republicans have failed to fully investigate shenanigans that happened again in 2022 clearly have been documented in maricopa county arizona uh, there is no doubt that if they got away with it in 2020 and in 2022 that they're going to try to pull another fast one in 2024 the question is will they be able to overtake a overwhelming popular vote for someone like trump who is clearly far ahead in the republican primary uh, we know that President Trump is putting out a huge voter machine to get the vote out early, to get yeah. mail-in ballots, and to get out the uh, the voters during actual election day. We do see some action with some of the Republican legislatures in some states trying to tighten things up, but clearly more needs to be done. So, I mean, a couple well, of things Well, we've seen what they did with COVID, right? They manipulated the vote through COVID. That's how they were able to secure yeah. victory. And, and I'm seeing that. I'm not making assumptions or, you know, whatever. But I'm seeing it how it was in 2020. So they th manipulated through COVID. What I see right now, Pedro, is I just briefly, folks, if you paid attention, I, I brought up uh, illegal immigrants, you know, and I want to rephrase that, folks. I, I have nothing against uh, immigrants. What I do have is illegals coming over. And what I'm seeing right now with this Biden administration is I'm seeing a open border, but I'm seeing it's opened on purpose, Pedro. Well, I'm yeah. seeing that they're going to use the illegals to sort of buy the vote. And I know that sounds crazy, though, but I can see that what they're doing. And I can see that, that going forward to November. That That's one angle of it. Uh, Democrats trying to find a way to beef up the numbers to get the required ballots to overtake Trump. But even if they don't do that, they could still go in and try to do other tactics. Like, for example, recently there was a press 
conference held by a sheriff in Ohio about the FBI giving a briefing about some serious election uh, cyber attacks that we could be come under from the Russians, the Chinese, and so forth. I wouldn't put it past the Democrats that if Trump does win the election, that they claim that it's an illegitimate election because the Russians and the Chinese attacked our election system and the vote is just basically disputable. Yeah, I wouldn't they'll, put it they'll past use that, They'll use that factor again, Pedro, with Russia. I'm sure they'll bring up the recent yeah. visit by Tucker Carlson. But, oh, it's, it's, yeah. it, it's all conclusion. They're concluded with the Russians, you know? And, yeah. But what happens if they do that? You know, you could see an election that goes to the House of Representatives in 2025 because they refuse to certify the Electoral College votes. So then it's going to be the House that potentially could decide who gets to be president. Uh, I mean, anything is possible. Right now... Isn't that restricting the the vote from from the people? I mean, if you're going to that avenue, it's up to the House to elect who gets to be president, right? Isn't that restricting voter rights a little bit, more or less? I mean, from the Constitution perspective, no, because we're a constitutional republic. Yeah, I understand, but you know how people will kind of spin it a little bit. Yeah. In in reality, you've got to have an election that has integrity. If the election does not have integrity and it's disputable, the mechanism is there for that election to go to the House to resolve that dispute. And that's essentially what was trying was tried in January 2021. We have some serious issues here with five questionable states. This needs to be investigated. Let's hold off for 10 days. Let's send this back to the states. Let's look into it. And Republic, Republicans failed to follow through while Democrats spun it as an insurrection. The reality is that was a constitutional mechanism in our Constitution to resolve a election issue. Uh, That was not an insurrection. And on that note, I mean, to me, this is one of the serious problems we have with Republicans. The J6 prisoners are political prisoners. Yeah. What is the House of Representatives doing to defend them? Nothing. I, I just had a gentleman. Nothing. Yeah, I just had a gentleman on uh, going back more than a few episodes now. Um, uh, with this, uh, with with this guy, uh, he's a J Sixer, uh, James uh, Beeks. Uh, he's a world renowned uh, Broadway actor. His Broadway uh, career, Pedro, was shot uh, because of the whole January six. No. Uh, Broadway production company anywhere in America will hire this guy uh, because of the whole January 6th. Now, he was found acquitted, folks, but still, they're they're not going to hire him because of the background of January 6th. Now, he went up to the Capitol, Pedro, not to orchestrate madness and chaos. He went up there to exercise his First Amendment rights. But yet alone, they arrested him. And put all these charges on him because he was involved with all these people. That what happened? What happened on January of 2017? 20 January 2017. Antifa, many organizations trashed Washington D.C. in opposition to the Trump presidency. How many of them have been arrested or prosecuted? 
I think zero is None. the number. And they never show that. Like, the mainstream never shows it. Uh, no politicians ever show that, you know, with the exceptions of few yeah. uh, Republicans. But they will never show that because, like, oh, no, that never happened. It was all where, MAGA extremists. It was all MAGA extremists. That's, that's what they're saying. But where is the Republican leadership outrage in action to do something about these things? Zero. Zero. Not- the, but and it they they little empowers no Democrats. They, they they little. There's a few selected Republicans that are still speaking up. You know, you have Marjorie Taylor Greene up in Georgia, Ted Cruz, uh, a few selected members of uh, the Republican Party. They are yeah, they're speaking up against it. But we need more than that. Right? We need action. Yeah, the Republicans in Congress, as the leader of the House of Representatives. The House of Representatives has the power of the purse. They can choose to selectively fund and defund select government activities. They have the ability to hold accountable the executive branch. But instead of doing so, they engage in political theater, showmanship, and grandstanding. If, if, if they're supposed to be Republicans, right? The name is in it all, folks. Listen to it. Republicans. Republic. Right? They're supposed yes. to be for the people. We're not seeing that. We need more action. Like Pedro said, we need we need to we need to see them s- stop worrying about their political careers and start worrying about the people. This is the sake of our nation. Like their actions literally dictate the future of this country and where it's going to go. Like you're saying, political theater. If they keep on committing to that garbage, well, you're going to see where our country is going to go and where it is going right now. It's terrible. And that's where I go to with my epilogue. Who will speak for you when they come looking for you? If we do not do more than just speak up and act within the context and the paradigms of the law, not violating the law but within our legal means, we will risk losing our constitutional republic and become just another tyrannical failed regime of a type of government like Nazi Germany, the communist China, you know, communist Vietnam, communist Cuba, communist Venezuela. It took Venezuela almost 10 years to go from prosperity to basically having a currency that has zero value. Yeah, yeah, we'll become another banana republic, folks. And and you're seeing that right now. You know, you're seeing our country go down really, really dangerous paths uh pedro uh basically presenting that very well uh folks as we close it out i do want to encourage all the listeners that are listening into the show um and people that have been listening to us on x um the book uh will be out very very soon Uh, i'm going to get the uh exact uh release date from pedro i believe it's what february 19th if i had that correct pedro february 19th president's day and i chose that strategically on president's day because of the magnitude of the problems we're dealing with we have to choose our next president very wisely yeah and uh guys we'll put up in the uh uh in the screen here guys uh if you guys check us check out the qr code on the bottom bottom centered uh of your screen here whether you're viewing us on x or rumble or the spotify app scan this qr code and everything about this amazing book that's going to be coming out on february 19th of this month the broken whistle uh by pedro israel orta uh a former cia intelligent officer 
now whistleblower. Uh, all, all great information in this book. You know, Pedro, I'm, I, I pre-ordered it, to be honest with you, buddy. And, and I Thank can't you. wait for it to come out. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing, amazing book. You have any final thoughts, uh, you know, just to the listeners here on this book at all or? I mean, I, I encourage uh, every listener to please get a copy of this book and read just to see what happens to anyone who dares to speak up truth to power in the U.S. government. Although it's my story, it could be you. Uh, yeah. Look at the J6ers, how they've come after them. They were talking about going after anybody who basically had set foot in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, I mean, there are many other stories out there of other individuals who have been harassed, targeted, silenced, uh, intimidated by either government or the techno bureaucracy or the technological social media censors. Uh, we are in perilous times and the times of apathy, lethargy and no action are over. We must yeah. rise up, not just speak up, but take actions. And yeah. it begins at the local level. Uh, your local politicians, your local representatives, your local senators, up to this federal level, and so forth. We've got to have the American people rise up and exercise their constitutional rights to hold our elected officials accountable. Amen. Amen. Uh, Pedro, I want to thank you very much, sir, once again for coming on, um, explaining us about this amazing book, uh, The Broken Whistle, that will be coming out. Uh, in the coming days, guys, depending on how you view this episode, uh, February 19th is the big day for this release date. Uh, it's available everywhere. Uh, Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, anywhere you find a book and, and, and sells a book. I'm so fired up about it. I'm losing words. Uh, can yeah. be found. Yeah. So check it online. Out What's it that? Pedro? has to be ordered online, only online, but basically online. anywhere where they sell books online, you can find it. Right, right. And the best way to find it is if you go to the website, brokenwhistlebook.com, it has the actual links for Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Apple Books. Uh, you can find it in a hardback, paperback, any book. Yeah, that, that actually, folks, if, you, if you've seen the QR code that we put up, that QR code will go right to Pedro's uh, website there uh, that has all the information for that book. So a uh, big shout out to you, uh, Pedro, for thanking, coming, coming on. And uh, yeah, man, good luck in all of your future endeavors. And can't wait to see some more books come out your way. Thank you so much for hosting me. All right, Have a blessed easy, day. Buddy. God bless you. you. God bless Amen. you. All right, guys. Uh, you just heard Pedro Israel Orta on Savage Unfiltered. Um, oh, what an amazing character. Amazing gentleman. Uh, so full of intelligence and prestige and uh, it was a true honor having him back on the show uh guys if you like this episode please leave a leave us five stars um it helps out the show's growth and um and and everything that comes that way uh guys i'm gonna get out of here because i know you got stuff to do but um in the coming of days guys we have some amazing guests coming up amazing guests uh coming up we have a uh, gentleman by the by the name of dan galad coming up uh next month in march guys we have a uh, x space host that's right mike lazan uh he he's a big one guys he does a lot of x spaces can't wait to bring him on to discuss some things with him 
and uh, some other guests coming on, guys. Um, I don't want to give too many spoilers on the show, so you're going to have to tune in. Uh, with that being said, guys, see you later. Take it easy. Be savage, not average. Later. <laughs>